Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. And so this is Matthew 7. And so if you're going to get there, Matthew 7, 12 through 14. I'm reading out the ESV, so if you want to read the exact words I'm reading, they'll be up on the screen, but feel free to read whatever Bible you have with you this morning, because they are all very, very similar. Uh, so Matthew 7, verse, starting verse 12, it says this, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and it is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So let's pray. God, as we dive into this very simple, short verse, God, would we um, hear your Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, uh, convicting us and moving us, change us by your words, we pray this morning, God, in your name, amen. The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, is probably how you have that memorized. It's not exactly how the ESV has it. I would imagine, I'm not, I don't have one with me, some of you guys may be able to confirm this, I would imagine that probably is how it is exactly written in the King James. That'd be my guess. Every, every scripture that I remember from, my, from early, early childhood, um, before I had my own Bible, hearing people recite it was from a King James. Doing others as you would have them do unto you. ESV has, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, let's talk about that a little bit, because... You know, a lot of people, and this isn't just uh, theologians, but a lot of people say that this is like the highest order of morality. That what Jesus said here is like the highest, like this would be the peak, this would be the pinnacle. If as a human you could get to the point where you could do this, and this was just your lifestyle every day, all day, every day, that, that would be like the pinnacle uh, from, a moral, from a moral standpoint. And it would make sense that that would be the case as we read that. I mean, yeah, if you knew somebody who always lived and did things for the people uh, more than themselves, that would, that would certainly, you know, that, that person would not uh, be selfish or self-centered in any way, would not be arrogant, um, would be completely humble, would be completely self-giving um, of themselves to everybody else and, and wouldn't en- entangle themselves with any of this stuff any of the sin that we kind of get wrapped up in. And, and it kind of begs the question then as why God said this, because if we look at this, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the very end of it. This is kind of like a wrapping up statement for him, because what does Jesus say right after that? This is the law and the prophets. What were the law and the prophets? So the Law and the Prophets, I think you guys all know this. Maybe it's too simple. Nobody wanted to yell it out. But it, it basically is all the scripture they had at that point. The Law was kind of the Pentateuch, that first five books uh, of, the, of scripture that were kind of held in high esteem, that, it, that, had all the story, that had the story of creation, had the story of all the patriarchs, and how God moved and worked in them along with the law that God gave through um, Moses, his servant, to the people, to the Israelites. This is how you should live. Basically, everything they did was ordered around these things. Their worship is wrapped up in this. 
uh, their sacrifices, their celebrations, all this stuff is wrapped up in these first five books. And, but then they, there's this, like, this wisdom literature and this prophetic literature that kind of is like, okay, what does this look like fleshed out? Okay? How do we actually get this thing kind of worked out? And so when, when they say the law and the prophets, when Jesus says that, he's basically saying this is all the scripture right here. And it's in one verse. Whatever you want for someone to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is all the scripture right here, summed up here. Jesus actually says that basically same thing again, if you remember. Uh, it sounds very similar to another time when he was talking and someone asked him, what's the greatest commandment of all, right? Somebody's trying to trap Jesus. And what does Jesus say? If you don't remember, I'm, you could probably quote it. I see some people mouthing some stuff, right? You probably can quote it, but it, it's Matthew 22. And so let's just read it real quick. Um, let me get over there to it. It's found in Matthew 22, and I think it's verse 34. At hearing that, Jesus silenced the Sadducees and Pharisees. At hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees and Pharisees, uh, let me, I got to read the commas in there too. Hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Here's Jesus' reply. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is essentially the same thing he said in Matthew 6. Love is at the heart of that whole thing, right? You cannot do unto others what you would wish that they would do unto you unless you love that person. Because guess what I want them to do to me? Like all the good stuff. Why? Because I love me, right? I want to make sure I'm cared for. I'm going to make sure all my needs are met. I want to make sure that, you know, my family's secure. I want to make sure that I have all that I want. And if I'm doing that for someone else, then that means I have to love them just like I love myself. And I'm, I'm probably not going to do that if I don't love God, right? Because if God's not commanding me to do that, there's no chance that I do that. And Jesus is basically saying, like, this is all the law and the prophets. All of it hang on this, same as Matthew 7. It all hangs on this one thing, love, or doing to others as you would also have them doing to you. So here's an interesting thing. This was not a completely unique statement at the time of Jesus walked on the earth. There was some Jewish prophets. There was some uh, writings of Confucius. There were some Buddha's writings that, had, that already existed that said something real similar. But, it, but Jesus put a really interesting twist on it that nobody else did. And that's pretty typical, right? Uh, so the Buddhism and Confucianism, uh, I don't know how you say that, uh, and um, the Jewish faith, and there were some others out there, they all used this kind of phrasing in the negative, right? So it was, don't do to other people what you don't want them to do to you. Now, it sounds like that makes a lot of sense. So what I want you to do is to think about, in your head right now, just make a mental list of all the things you don't want someone to do to you. 
you could probably start rattling off a few quicker than you were able to do the other one, right? Like, I, I don't want someone to come up and hit me. I don't want someone to cut me off in, in the car, right? I don't want uh, someone to, like, hurt my family. We, we could come up with a list. You probably got a couple in your head right now you're thinking of. My guess is if I gave you the rest of the day, maybe tomorrow, you could come up with a complete list of all the things you don't want someone to do to you. And that was what all the writings were. Don't do to someone what you don't want them to do to you. Jesus, if, if you remember um, my comment a couple of, it's probably been a year ago now, maybe a year and a half, of the little tweak that happened in our vacuum system at our house that changed the way in which Fryer engaged with cleaning the house. Uh, and it was to remove a cord, right? It's just a little small change. And that's kind of what Jesus did here. Jesus takes this, but now he changes it around. He made one slight tweak and opened up unbelievable possibilities. And he said, actually, let's, let's talk about it in a different way. Whatever you want someone to do to you, that's what I want you to do to other people. Because here's what a lot of people think about Christianity. And it's warranted because in the way in which it had been has been presented because we have not accurately kind of engaged with Jesus on this level in a lot of ways, is Christianity is a, is a religion. It is an ethos. It is a, a set of rules and regulations by which here's some things not to do, right? And, and why would they think that? Because a lot of what the people who aren't believers have seen of Christianity is what? Ten Commandments, right? There's a lot of do not do this stuff in the Ten Commandments. Do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery. Uh, there are some, there are six do nots and there's like four do's. And they're all wrapped up in how you engage with God. Um, and when you're engaging with other people, there's a lot of do nots. And so it would be, it would make sense. Plus, if you think back to your upbringing, I'll just think back to mine. Uh, there was a lot of, here's the things that you don't do. And I knew that list, right? It, it's how... The Pharisee, it's how the rich young ruler was able to say to Jesus, I've kept all this stuff. I've done it all. It's how Paul was able to say, I've lived this law out to a T because that law had all the things that you don't do. And the, the rich young ruler said, I've kept them all. And then Jesus said, well, guess what? You get to now sell everything you have and give to the poor. And he couldn't do it. Jesus was actually trying to help him live even more fully, and he walked away sad because his life was wrapped up into, this is the way I've done it. But let's think about it from the way in which Jesus said it. If you want to use the King James, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. The ESV says, whatever you wish others would do to you, do also for them. So, so what I want you to do now is to go back to that thing that you were able to come up with. And think about, can you come up with a mental list of all the things you want someone to do to you? My guess is we can't completely complete that list. I mean, it would take maybe longer than a day to complete that list. Because the possibility of things I want people to do to me are endless, right? Like, they never end. Like, I can think of, like, oh, well, if, if I were broke down on the side of the road and people were passing me, so this happened to me one night, 
I had stayed up all night. I had a, I had a lock-in. Uh, and if you ever had kids who were in a youth group and they thought the lock-in was great, I can tell you a, a list of people who did not think the lock-in was great. All right? One at the top of that list is the youth pastor. But I was a youth pastor. I had this lock-in, and it was a, and it was a, um, a 30-hour famine. Okay? I'm not going to go into that if you don't know what that is, but it was kind of a way in which kids engaged with the reality that there was hunger in the world. And so for 38, for 30 hours, they do not eat and they do not sleep. Although the sleep part is not with their fasting, that just tends to happen. And, and if you're an adult in charge of these kids, you also don't sleep. Or you wake up with things not being the same as they were before you went to sleep. So I have been up all night. And my buddy, Daniel, was getting married in a couple of weeks and he was having a bachelor party. And so we went out to eat and we played golf. So, we went, so I met him at the golf course. I basically went home, I showered, go to the golf course. We play golf. We go out to eat. I'm coming home. I got, it's a Saturday. I have worship the next morning. So I got to be back at the church at like, I don't remember what time it was there. It was 8 o'clock or something. And, I, and it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm driving down 85 because his pastor party was over in Clemson and I'm living in Bowen Springs, North Carolina. And after dinner, um, we talked in the parking lot for a little bit and then I'm driving back and I am just as tired as I can be. Because remember, I did not sleep. In, I have now not slept for two straight days. And I'm driving back, and my eyes are like this, and I'm getting off the exit, and I knew I was low on gas. And I'm getting off the exit, and at this point, I think it's like 1130 at night, and I'm pulling off the exit. If you know where the Yellow Mall is in, in Gaffney, that's the exit I'm getting off of. I'm, I'm on the exit, and my car breaks down. Now, there is now a nice gas station right at that exit. That gas station did not exist when Fryer was... So I had to walk all the way down to the pilot station, which is a little bit further. So I'm walking. These cars are just zooming past me. It's obvious there's a truck broken down. I'm walking. I'm walking back with a gas can in my hand towards a broken down car. All these cars are past me. A police officer, when I finally make it all the way to my car, pulls up behind me. I'm obviously putting gas into a car. Doesn't get out of his car just talks to me over the loudspeaker. I will not tell you how the rest of that evening went. I mean, I didn't get locked up or anything. I just did not respond to him. I was angry. I was like, you don't even, you're not even going to get out of the car and talk. I, it, it, I probably not respond in the way that I should. I probably should have just waved, said, I'm good, thank you. I did not do that. I just completely ignored he was there. Um, filled up the car, drove down there, and filled up the rest tanking, went home. Completely wiped out. What did I want people to do for me in that moment? I wanted somebody to stop. Say, hey, it's not far, but can I give you a ride? You know, you need some help. Maybe ask, you got enough money to do this? Like you're, you're, like you're a young kid. Maybe you don't have a lot of money. I mean, I did. I probably said no, but like that's something I would like for somebody to do to me. If I was that cop and I was broke down, I would like for somebody to actually get out of their car and walk up and say, hey, everything's good? You know, so there's a lot of things I would like for people to do for me. Um, that, that thing is endless, Right? We cannot think of, because every new situation comes up, it's like, oh, well, I'd like somebody to do this for me. Jesus actually gives us permission now to do that. When I was in high school and I was struggling with a subject, I would like for the person who had mastered that subject to say, hey, you need some help, let me help you out. If I was a person eating alone at a table, there's a good chance that I may not, not want to eat alone and I would wish that someone would come to me and say, hey, would you? Now, 
that's all the things I would want somebody to do to me. But now what did Jesus say? I get to do that for other people. He said, whatever it is that you wish that someone would do for you, go and do that for someone else. Like that is what we get to do. Christianity is not, in fact, a list of things to do and to not, uh, excuse me, a list of things not to do. That a lot of people think, it's like we, God actually gives us freedom to do this. Uh, another way, that, kind of one of the ways that, I don't know if she actually said it, it was a tribute to Mother Teresa, I don't know if she actually said it or not, but become the good that, that you want to see in the world is kind of a way that she said that. There was a great movie a couple years ago, you may or may not have seen it, called Bruce Almighty, where this guy gets the powers of God and he gets to kind of, and that actually is kind of where he comes out at the very end, is be the good that you want to see in the world. That actually is not off when it comes to theology. If this is how God wraps up his Sermon on the Mount and actually says this is, wraps up all of Scripture, it's like go and do what it is that, that you want other people to do to you. Like this is it. This is the pinnacle. Now the, the, the frustration part is some of you may be sitting there going, yeah, fire. I memorized that a long, long time ago. I did too. <laughs> You're not alone in that. Here's what I haven't done. I haven't actually lived that all the time, which is why we have to continue to bring up Scripture. There's, I would imagine most people in this room has probably read all the Bible more than me. You sh we should be there. Part of the communion of saints to get together is to spur one another on to say, hey, we actually need each other's help in doing this because we don't do this good. I got to be able to come to a group of people and confess when I blow it. Yesterday, I almost blew it. I get, to, I get to actually tell you guys, like this week, this being on my brain the whole time, like maybe that helped me be more present with my family because I was sitting there thinking, I got to actually preach a sermon on doing things that I wish people would do for me so I can't be selfish because there were times I wanted to be selfish this week. There were a lot of times I wanted to be selfish this week. There's a lot of times I want to be selfish every week, just to be clear. Uh, but especially if you're at a beach and you're tired with kids that just have unending energy and apparently never get tired, no matter how much you put them in the sun and how much chlorine you throw in their eyes and how much salt water you throw on them, they never get sleepy at all. Uh, average bedtime at our house was like 10.30 this week. It's like, what's wrong with you people? Would you go to bed? Um, it changes kind of the way you engage with it when you know you've got to tell other people. Like, you kind of want to be obedient to the scripture a little bit. And yesterday, we got cut. So we get home about 1 o'clock, and I go and hop on the mower, and I'm cutting the grass, and it, the sun is just beating down. And I just can't wait to get done with this. I get done with it. I'm back in the mower into the building. And the kids had already come out and asked me about riding with me. Anybody riding lawnmower and kids, they want to ride with me. So... And I told them, like, not while the blade's going after I get done. But they had done gone inside and gotten engaged with something else. And I was like, dodge the bullet on that one. I'm back in the mower, and this is no joke. I hear the Holy Spirit say, what would you want someone to do to you? And I thought, man, if I was a kid, I'd want them to come in and tell me. Like, and I'm just pouring sweat, and it's so hot. And I'm like, I don't want to do this at all. Drive back up to the house. Natalie, tell the kids, if they want to ride, I'm sitting there praying. I'm like, please, just let them be so... I mean, I, I, I literally, I said, hey, Natalie, ask them if they want to ride. Uh, but I'm hoping, like, they're having so much fun in the playroom, they say, nah, we're good. Yeah, they all come downstairs. 
one at a time, but they all stay in the air conditioning until it's their turn to come out. <laughs> but that is like, it, it was fun. And Jude's now getting to the age where he can do it himself. And so I just take hands off and let him. He doesn't know. He thinks it's fun. He's a, he doesn't know what I'm really doing. So you guys don't let on to what I'm really doing. It's pretty soon I'm going to say, this is how you turn the blade on. And uh, this is how you keep it straight and have fun. Now it's your Saturday duty. But, um, but I, had a, I had a good time. And this week at the beach, I probably had one of the best vacations I've ever had in my life. And I tried to do that. And I think... Jesus actually tells us, like, I'm going to give you life and give it to you full. And, and, but you've got to live it, like, not so much for yourself at all, actually. And, 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 we can, and we can spiritualize that and say, well, yes, we have to live it for Jesus. And, yes, that is true. That is not untrue. But what does Jesus tell us to do? He's like, actually, you get to live it for other people. In fact, here's all the scripture that I have right now. We have a little few extra books now. We have about 27 extra books now. Uh, with us, at the time, all their scriptures, Jesus said, all this summed up right here. Whatever you wish that someone will do to you, you get to do that this week. I do not think, uh, we don't do this well. I know that because I'm the same as you, and I don't do it well. Like, we want to be selfish. Our bend is to try to protect ourselves. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons. So now I just want to go back real quick and read verse 13 and 14 again. Because I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus says this right after he says, whatever it is that you wish that someone would do to you, do that for them. And then he says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard. It leads to life. Jesus actually gives us like a heads up, like this actually leads to life. And those who find it are few. The easy thing to do is to not pull over on the side of the road, to not put the mower back up to the house, right? That would have been so easy to turn that thing off. The easy thing to do would, would not be to open up your home, to open up your life, to open up your time, to open up your checkbook, whatever it is. That's not the easy thing to do. The easy thing to do is keep all that closed. Keep it all for myself. And Jesus said, that gate is wide. It's easy. But the gate I'm calling you to is actually the narrow one, the really hard one, the one that's actually going to make you actually not ever do anything for yourself. Does that mean, like, I have no rights, I don't get to do anything for myself? Yep. Unfortunately, that's exactly what that means. But fortunately, that's the way that leads to life. Because what I can promise you is, if you open up your home, people will break your stuff. If you open up your life to them, you, you will actually lose a bit of privacy. They won't actually, they'll, actually see the, they'll actually see it when you sin, and you don't want anybody ever to see that. But they'll see that, actually. And now you can't hide and pretend you're perfect because people are going to see, like, oh, you lose it sometimes and yell at your kids. Why do my neighbors know that? Because they're in my house every Sunday. If you don't think they're going to break your stuff, ask my kids. The stuff gets broken every, not every week. We try to, like, hey, put this thing up when people are coming over so they don't break your, you know, one. 
thing. I remember one of the first parties we threw at our house, and we weren't really engaging anybody with the gospel at all. We just were trying to meet neighbors and throw parties. And Judah just got this brand new. I told him if he could learn, if he would just swim across the pool, one side or the other, I'd buy him a big Thomas. He was really in a Thomas train. And so I bought it. If you let people borrow your stuff, it may come back broken. When you let people have your heart, it will certainly come back broken. You're going to experience loss. And the, the thing is, Jesus actually, you know, we have, we have some preachers who are making a lot of money these days telling people like, hey, you come on board with this and everything's going to be good. You're going to have your best life ever. You're going to, you know, look at me, I'm flying on a private jet, you know. Think of what's going to happen if you just allow God to do this stuff. And actually Jesus, I'm going to tend to listen to Jesus rather than those guys because they may be false prophets, at least in those words. Um, Jesus actually said, no, I'm promising you things are going to not go the way you want them to go. Like it's going to be hard. In fact, if it was going to be, there is a way that's easy. I'm just letting you know. But that way is actually going to lead to destruction. And this narrow way, this hard way is going to lead to life. Every, this is probably not 100% exaggeration, although I may be a little bit hyperbolic in saying this, but almost every Sunday, that's probably the truthful way to say it. Almost every Sunday, about 4.30, I really wish people weren't coming to my house. <laughs> I really was like, I mean, it's like about that time, I was like, man, I wish we didn't have to do this. I really just want to, we, we had a tradition as a family on Sundays. We go to Joe's uh, ice cream parlor downtown. My kids call it Ice Cream Joe's because there's another Joe's we go to that has pizza, and then we call it Pizza Joe's. And so we go to Ice Cream Joe's every, every Sunday night, and I love that. <coughs> I could take a nap. We'd go and get ice cream. It was fun. Uh, the people that we got to know the people there, and we actually miss seeing them. So like a handful of times we get to go, it's pretty fun. Um, but, I mean, I, I miss that. And like every Sunday, I'm like, I got to cook dinner for more people than I want to cook dinner for. They're going to come to our house. Their kids are going to like just not ever talk quiet. They slam my back door, which drives me bonkers. Uh, it's like, I don't want to do that. I want to go the easy way. Because the other way is hard, because like, now they're in my life, and they see it when I lose my temper at my kid. They see it. Uh, they... They tear up my stuff. Like, I don't want to do that. If I'm just being truthful, like, I don't want to. And you realize how much you love stuff more than people when you start to open up your life because you bend is to get mad when that didn't happen. Or you realize how much you love your privacy and more than you love other people. Or you realize how much you love your house more than you love other people. And Jesus actually said, I want you to think of all that stuff more than what you have a right to. Because just like that song said that we opened up in they with, it's only God's breath in our lungs that gives us the, the ability to breathe. It's only the fact that God's blessed us. God blessed us with a beautiful house when we moved up here. But it was more house than we needed. And one of the things I told Natalie when we moved in was, we're not buying this house unless we utilize the rest of the space we have in it for the people. And so... We have people stay in it from time to time, and we open it up on Sundays, and we do, but it's not easy. 
And we need Jesus, actually, to, to want to do that. Because if it wasn't for Jesus' compulsion and actually Jesus helping, because what I could tell you is I am unbelievably distraught at the fact that I have made the decision to open my house every Sunday about 4.30. But every Sunday, funny thing is, every Sunday about 7.30, when my house is now a wreck and the people were leaving, it's like I had the most fun. Like, it actually led me to life, but I didn't want to do it. And it's like, I miss it, and I'm ready to do it again next week. But next week, by the time 4-3 rolls around, I'm like, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. Like, I just want to. And then it happens again. And I, like, I could tell you from experience. I can also tell you from experience of all times I've been selfish, and I haven't experienced that joy, and I haven't experienced that life. Because I tried to hold on to what I wanted for myself, and I do that way more often than I open it up. And we need Jesus to be able to do that. The narrows gate, and we can only get through it through him. He is the gate. It is the way of Jesus that he's calling us to. John 14, 6 tells us, what did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man can get to the Father except through me. It, it can only happen through Jesus, not because Friar is good or Heather is good or Simone is good. It's not because any of us have it. Because the capacity is I want to drive by the person walking with the gas can because I don't want the gas smell in my car. I don't want that person. That person may have B.O. I don't want that in my car. They may kill me. That was what my parents would always scare me with so I wouldn't pick hitchhikers up. Whatever it is, like it all could be true. I don't ever want to do that. I may open up my house to these people and they not like my food and tear up all my kids' toys. That could happen. I burnt the food a few weeks ago. Caught it in a grease fire on the grill. But they were all nice and ate it anyway. Forcing me. But I don't ever want to do that. And it's only through Jesus changing me and transforming me and sometimes forcing me. And sometimes I tell him no. And he's gracious to me even then. He says, I love you. And I'm going to help you get there. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the way that Paul engaged with it. I actually didn't put that in there, Bill. just kind of came to me. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, as Paul's talking to his church in Rome, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable God, this is your true and proper worship. It wasn't a song. It wasn't a liturgy. It wasn't a prayer. Your true and proper worship, actually, was to live your life as a living sacrifice. Don't conform to patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Engaging Christ with this. Doing to other people as they would have them doing to you. Trusting that God's going to give you the strength to be able to actually do that, because most of the time we don't want to do it to them. What we want them doing to us is a little bit of this continually transform, transforming us, changing us. Allowing us to become the people who will choose the narrow gate. More often than we choose the wide gate. And when we choose the wide gate, it's not okay. But we're not doomed to destruction because Jesus actually came and lived the narrow path for us. All the stuff he's calling us to is stuff he did. He thought of us before he thought of himself. In fact, he knew Judas would do what he did to him before he ever called him to follow him. And yet he spent three years pouring into Judas, 
showing Jews, revealing things to Jews that, that many of us wish we could see in person. And Jesus did that for this guy. So he's not calling us to a place that he wasn't willing to go to. But he is calling us to this narrow gate that's hard. Jesus doesn't invite us to do what is easy. And this golden rule that we all memorized when we were still very, very small and full luscious heads of hair. We haven't yet mastered. And so we can say, yeah, I memorized it. Yeah, we memorized it. We have to be even more intentional about doing that. And I'm not saying that's not to say you haven't been. That's just a reminder for us. But where we haven't been, pray that the Holy Spirit reveals, like, where have I been guarding my life? Where have I not wanted to give up? How have I wanted to go through the wide gate? Being this week, I could have given you a bunch of examples of when I didn't. Uh, I mean, all I did, though, I'm not patting myself on the back. I, I backed the lawnmower up and was outside the heat for 10 more minutes. Let's not make the mistake and think that I did it for four hours or anything. All right. Like, so I don't get that big of a treat. I, I, I play with my kids outside for, for 10 minutes, for goodness sakes. But the, may we be aware of God's presence in our life so much that we can hear him telling us those even silly little things of, Put the car back in reverse and go back and help that person. Or, God, I want to be heard. Well, you want to be heard, so go and listen to someone. Or, I want to be noticed. Maybe go and notice other people. Celebrate them and what they're, what's happening in their lives. That's what God calls us to. Whatever it is, that endless list of, Whatever it is you want other people to do to you, you can do that for them. And it's this path that's actually going to lead us to life. And I'm trusting the words that it says in Scripture is that life will actually be even more abundant than when I try to go down the easy path and keep it all to myself. And for all the times that we do blow it, for me, again, like I said, that's because many, we get to come to a table of a God who lived this perfectly and became this for us so that when we come before the Father with all the imperfections in our life, the Father sees this stuff, sees what the Son did for us and actually transposes that on us. It's amazing. And that should propel our hearts to worship God. In, in a ton of different ways. So this morning as we come to the table, we get to come with that on our hearts and minds, knowing that where we've blown it, God has been faithful. And where we've done good, God has been faithful. And God will continue to be faithful in, in all the ways that we do. But my prayer for us is that we hear the Holy Spirit engaging us, telling us where we can move how we can serve others. So we're going to pray. And then we're going to come to the table and we're going to celebrate communion, thanking God for all that he does in and through us um, because he loves us. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks that all this, this very simple thing 
you're calling us to that we actually can all acknowledge is harder than we wish it were. Uh, God, we're thankful that you allow us to do that. God, we know it's hard. It's so hard to think of anyone else above my family or myself. God, those handful of times that we can be faithful to that, we're thankful that you've given us the ability to be faithful to it. And God, for all those many times that we're unfaithful, that we fail and that we blow it, uh, God, would you give us... Well, God, we thank you that, that, that you do give us mercy and grace in those moments. Could we be people who extend that mercy and grace to other people? Um, God, could we be people... Who can be honest about what we really want someone to do to us? And rather than sitting back waiting for someone to do that for us, God, could we go and do that for other people? God, thank you that that is the path that leads to life that you've given us, the blueprint towards that path that leads to life. God, I just pray that you would give us strength to be obedient to that in all ways. God, even today, give each of us opportunity to do to someone else what we wish they would do for us. Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit would convict and move us. God, thank you so much for the ways that you've shown yourself to be faithful in our community this week. We love you, God, in your name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.